right. God love you. Can you hear me okay? All right. Well, hopefully uh, I'm passionate enough to keep you awake. You know, that's what I always pray for. But I want to tell you a quick little uh, thing that happened before I got up here that the children yesterday were the first ones to be able to see it over at St. Cletus and uh, as a part of the relic display. And I talked to them about uh, uh, miraculous uh, happenings with our Eucharist, Eucharistic, and also um, Mary. But then also about the, uh, about the relics and how it glorifies the good Lord when we, when we give veneration to the relics. That's what the church teaches. So tonight, you're going to have an opportunity to do even more with what we're doing tonight. I brought three relics, and the last one just happened in a miraculous way for me. So you're the first group that gets to have that tonight, uh, other than the children, you know, yesterday at St. Cletus. But uh, anyway, real quickly, I just, I'm going to go through it real quick so that you, you get to enjoy what happened and why and what, what's here tonight. Do I need that? All right. Is that okay? All right. All right. My daily routine when I'm home, if I'm not out on the road going, going to different churches and schools, is every time I walk in, I call it a routine because it's better, better, better terminology, uh, that I, every day when I walk into the church, I walk first over the pieta. I kiss the wound of Christ. And I say, Jesus, I love you and I trust you. Love Mary, Joseph, the angels and saints and the poor souls of purgatory through me. Then I kiss Mary's hand and I say the same thing, only Mary, I love you and I trust you. Love Jesus, Joseph, the angels and saints, the poor souls of purgatory through me. I'm telling you this for purpose and reason. Then, then my daily routine is I walk toward the chapel. On the way to the chapel, I stop at the 12th station. I put my hand on Jesus' feet. And I, see, I ask Jesus, help me, help me every day to die to myself so that I can know, love, and serve you more and bring souls to you every day. Help me to glorify you, to venerate your mother, and to defend your bride, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I then walk over to Mary's, the next and the 13th stations, and I, and I see Mary, ask your Holy Spirit to lead my steps, to keep me in the truth. Let me follow you as my general. Let me be one of your servants, spiritual warriors, again, to glorify your son and to defend your church. And then I go into the chapel, usually go to mass or adoration. And uh, then when I leave, I'm, the reason I'm telling you this is because what happened? When I leave, I kiss the piano again, saying that prayer with Jesus and Mary before I leave every day. Two day this was two days before I had been up there about a week before to the Benedictine Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. And they had given me my first set of relics before the first conference, 25 conferences ago. And uh, they said they wanted to be a part of the apostolate. And so I went up there and I gave them a presentation. 
And then I asked the Mother Superior, I said, Mother, if it's possible, if you have any duplicates of anything, I'd like to, to be a custodian of, of other relics that I bring to the adults and children so that they can enjoy them and be able to touch them and hold them and everything. And uh, so she talked to me after the, about the 8th of, of uh, January, and she said, I haven't met with my council yet, but we'll meet, meet in the next couple of weeks or so. And, uh, but I had been a little bit ambitious. I said, I'd like to get a, one of Peter and Paul and, you know, some of the heavy hitters, you know. And uh, she called me and she said, oh, Gregory, I don't think we can do Peter and Paul, you know. And uh, I said, that's okay. Just look and tell me what you can do. And so uh, those two days before I left on a Friday, the two days before that, I did my same routine every day that I'd done for years by that time. Except my, my parish is called St. Peter's, okay? So that, those two days before, I walked over to Peter's statue and I, I held Peter's foot and I said, Peter, please intercede for me and just said a prayer and I left. And then the next day I repeated that before I left on a journey because on that journey I was, I saw eight, eight priests, four principals and had to speak uh, to people, teams at three different parishes in the Springfield Diocese. Uh, and so uh, the last night before I turned towards Springfield, the priest asked me to spend, gave me, told me to spend the night in the rectory. And then, uh, you know, in the morning after mass, you can, you can head on out down to Springfield. I said, okay. And he's, he's a spiritual director of mine. And I probably over the years probably got to see him once every four to six months maybe for 40 minutes, you know. Uh, that night, because I was spending the night, I talked to him for about three hours. Now, he doesn't know anything that I just told you all, but about two-thirds of the way through the night, he comes in with a couple of relics. And what do you think one of them was? It's okay, you can raise your hand if you wanna speak up or just talk to me. One of them was Peter. I about fell on my chair because there's hundreds of relics that we could have. It could have been anywhere in the world, but it was right there at that moment in time before I went south to Springfield. And uh, I said, golly, Father, I said, is that, is that a second-class relic of Peter? And he said, no, Greg, that's a, a very rare first-class relic. So tonight you'll have an opportunity. He said it's a piece of bone and blood in this one is of St. Peter. So there's our first Pope. And uh, so you had an, have an opportunity tonight also to uh, touch and hold you. Anything when I bring it to you, understand this. You can pick it up, you can hold it, you can kiss it, put it up to your heart, whatever you want to do, okay? You're not restricted. And that's why, the, that's why the priests and the nuns, when they knew what I was doing, they got behind it and started uh, giving me relics to make them uh, present to, uh, to the children and to the adults. So take advantage of that tonight. I have uh, at least three things for you and your family. All right, three things that will be home runs for you besides ha having rosaries in case you don't have one so you can touch the relics and they become a third class relic. 
you know, uh, just, uh, so take advantage of that before you leave, guys. Don't just, don't just walk out. Those things, one of the things that you'll receive is, is connected to our sorrowful mother and what I'll be talking about tonight. Because it's a little girl, seven years old girl named Jacinta. The book you'll want to read on the last page before they, when they were dug them up, the little brother and sister, to take them over to the basilica, they found out, you'll see on the last page, that she was incorrupt. And uh, just how she became a victim soul for souls. And that's, that's an element of what I ask the good Lord. And if there's one thing you can pray for me is that, that I can pray that as I bring souls to the good Lord, that, if, that I can become a victim soul for those that are at risk of going to hell for eternity. So have that as a prayer. And uh, I know the good Lord hears and he answers all prayers in some way or another. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's no, but sometimes he does. He says, seek, ask, and knock, right? So uh, just, just ask the good Lord. Jacinta's tears. The other thing is, and I know I've mentioned this before when I came, guys, and I want your ears to perk up on this. Listen, I don't know who is or who has not uh, done the, the uh, consecration to the Sacred Heart of Jesus through the Sorrowful and Immaculate Heart of Mary. But I brought, I brought some books from uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe, ones that he put those things together before he died in Auschwitz as a martyr. So it might be a good thing to have in your arsenal. And if you have not done this, sometimes people think, well, you know, that's for other people, not me. If you want to be taken places you cannot go on your own, in your own flesh, because we all have weakness in our flesh, talk to Our Lady. Make a consecration to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, who she always points to in everything she does. She never does not, she never points to herself. And she has brought as the greatest evangelist that we've ever had in this world is Mary, you know. So uh, take advantage of that. If you haven't done it, uh, take it, pray about it. I don't want you to do it because your friend or your, or your, or somebody, Sally said, hey, I'm gonna do that, you wanna do it too, and this or that. Pray, I would suggest you pray before the blessed sacrament one day. Go in there and sit there before the, your God and ask him to help you and lead you into doing that consecration to Jesus' sacred heart through the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary. So think about that. I'm gonna ask you a question and you can raise your hand, either hand. Uh, if I ask you, do you love your mother? If you do, raise your hand, yes. All right. Would you ever, if you could keep it from happening, allow the most vile creature in creation, Satan, would you allow him to touch your mother at all if you could stop it? Would you allow him to touch her? We, we would have to say no or we wouldn't be a good man or a good woman. We wouldn't allow him to touch her mama. Now she has things to get through like all of us do, you know, uh, but now take it to the next level. 
and this, this was something that the good Lord gave me up in uh, Wisconsin when a gentleman came up and said he's uh, a convert. And he, he said, my biggest problem right now is still, I haven't got quite married. You know, can you tell me anything about Mary? And so I t told him just what I told you. Do you love your mama? He said, yeah, I love her. I said, and then talk to him about Satan. Would you allow her to touch him? No. I said, you wouldn't be a good man if you would, would you? Think about that. You couldn't do anything about it, but now take that to Jesus as both man and God. He wouldn't be a good man if he would allow Satan to, to touch his mother. And he wouldn't be a good God if he would allow it, if he could stop it. And he could stop it. And he did stop it. Her being the most pure and, and uh, uh, beautiful gift to us from a holy God so that she could bear his son in, in her womb. And she had to be perfect. She had to be without sin from conception to natural death. So if we, if we, if we put our mind to that, what is there anything that you as a person would not do for your mother, for your loved ones? If, how many of you have someone out of the church? Raise your hand. Friend or family, someone you know that's out of the church? I, I, even, even the priests, when I ask that question in conferences all over, even the priests hold up their hand. We all know people. We all have, we see the broken world that we live in and how even in our weakness, we need the good Lord every day to be leading us. We need his truth. We need his strength. So we need to pray for that daily that we can be his servant spiritual warrior, not work for ourselves. When I wake up every day and I am zero of anybody special, I just, when the good Lord got a hold of me, I just gave you, I took a vow of poverty, I took a vow of chastity, and, and let him own my life in the blink of an eye when it happened. Just, I'm yours till I die. Mary, our mother, is perfect in all the virtues, humility, you know, every, every virtue. She's the most humble person in creation. And she's perfect in all the virtues by her very grace of God that she was given, just like Jesus is by his very nature. We have a very special mama. And the reason I'm telling you these things right on the front end and to make sure you get some of these resources I'm leaving with you is because I, I had uh, the last thing that I asked for when I had a locution with the good Lord. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't have the language of the, of the, of the faith at that time. And I just knew what happened. You know, and nobody has to believe it. I just know what happened to me, what happened to me. And the last thing after I took, after he prompted me to take a vow of poverty, because if you'd have told me the day before that I would have be talking at different churches or if that I would have uh, given up all my, you know, what I did, I was, I was very well paid as a superintendent of schools. I was, I was a, uh, uh, had all the accolades, everything. And uh, 
statewide on state committees, you know, and president of the, uh, of the school superintendents in the Ozarks for the last four years. Just all these things that were man things, you know. But the good Lord, when he gets hold of us, and if you'd have told me I was gonna take a vow of poverty, I said, well, you're nutting a fruitcake. It's not happening, you know. That's for somebody else. But that, that day the good Lord prompted me to do that, it was just remarkably easy. I said, okay, Lord, I'll never take a penny. That's why I don't want anybody to think that they have to do anything up here. You know, these, these things are gifts to you and your family because of what it can do for your family, what it can do for your parish. If you ask Father, say, Father, what can I do to help you? Stand bef beside your priest. I tell the little children, I give them a 20-second prayer. I, said, I asked the children, uh, kindergarten through eighth grade, I said, would you give me 20 seconds a day if it could help you get you to uh, heaven for eternity and your mom and dad and your priest and your principal and your teachers and whoever God puts into your path? Would you give me 20 seconds a day to do that? And all the kids say, yeah, I'll give you 20 seconds. And I said, okay. One thing that even a lot of adults don't, don't know what it, it means when you say veneration. I've been to nights groups and different ones, and they really have not had a lot of strength in learning what it means to venerate, which is what we're asked to do to the saints and relics, Mary. To God, God we give adoration. But to these saints who glorify God when we touch it because they did what he said. Wouldn't Mary, wouldn't Mary tell them at the, at the uh, wedding at Cana? What was her battle cry for all of us? Do whatever he tells you, right? So we're asked to do that. Do whatever he tells you. And guys, Mary, I want you to listen and then pray about it and go before the Blessed Sacrament and, and make that commitment to, to uh, consecrate yourself to the Sacred Heart of Jesus through the Sorrowful Immaculate Heart of Mary because it'll strengthen you in your walk. You, you know, when I call it the moment that uh, St. Thomas had, my Lord and my God. He went down on his face at that point in time when Jesus came into the room. And here's my hands, here's my side. And he went down, my Lord and my God. And if we will do whatever he tells us, and one of the beautiful things that he told St. Faustina, are you aware who St. Faustina is? Jesus told her to paint an image that you see on the divine mercy. I was just wondering where, where it was here, okay. To paint an image like that, so she did it. And he said, those that will venerate that image, and I'm asking little children, I'm having them read it. You read this about what she said. And, and what did Mary say? If you will venerate this image, you will not perish. I promise you will not perish. Now that's a promise from your God. So I said, don't do it like sometimes, sometimes a person, and I'm not talking about their, their heart, Sometimes a person, as you see them coming up to receive the Eucharist, you a lot of times, and I see this all over the world, and not talk, judging anybody's heart on this, 
you would wonder if they really believe is, do you believe that that's the creator of the universe you're about to receive? Would someone watching, either a child or someone not in the church, as they're watching you come up, would they say, well, that one doesn't believe much, does he? And I'm just saying perception in people's minds, not the reality of where your heart is with the good Lord. But how much are we willing to sacrifice and do out of love for him? Because he first loved us. He first loved us. So what does Jesus want you to know? And this is on one of the flyers that I've got, but I wanna, I wanna just go through this real quick because it's so important. Listen to what, what, does, what does Jesus want you to know? God loves you for you as personal. He knows you by name. Even if you're in a crowd, he knows you personally by name. And his love for you is unconditional. Do you understand that and know that? He doesn't condition it. He's perfect in loving you. He's perfect in loving with an unconditional, unending love. And when you fail or when you think you are completely separated from God and from others, his unconditional love for you remains unwavering. God's love for you is proactive. I remember, take me back to 2005 when I did my first conference down in, uh, down in Branson, Missouri. I named that conference Getting Past the Rhetoric, Taking Action for the Lives and Souls of the Children. I don't know how many people you've asked to come to church here. You've got a beautiful church that glorifies God. You have an awesome pastor that tries to bring people in here for you. You know, there's a lot of people that could go home and say, well, I'll just eat tonight and sit on the couch and watch Oprah. You know, or the, like your priest is proactive and you don't even have a church without him. Do you know that? We don't have a church without a priest to consecrate the Blessed Sacrament so that you can receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Guys, you've got to be on your knees every day. Can you, can you, give, can you give your priest 20 seconds a day on your knees before, before the divine mercy image? I tell the children, I said, when you do it, 20 seconds, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an example. I tell them, I said, Instead of just going by and say, Lord, see you later, be back later, if you say anything, you know, as, as many people do, you don't even see, sometimes you don't even see a bow of the head or anything. So I said, in your 20 seconds, can you, can you take a knee? You look up at the image, what does it say on the image? Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Bless my mom and dad and my family, my priest, my teachers, my principal, those that you put into my path. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus knows that if you'll go through that every day as a piety to want to know him more, he knows that you're going to come closer to him. 
Can you give that 20 seconds a day? I know if I, if I was a priest and I'm the greatest target for Satan, everybody in here, he hates you for being here, guys, but he, sa- he hates this priest with a passion. He knows that if I can knock the priest off, he's going to scatter a bunch of sheep, guys. But you all can be that, that shield, one of the shields for your priest. Through prayer, your most powerful action first is your prayer every day. You have the most powerful prayer in the universe when your priest is here and does the, does the uh, mass. There's nothing more powerful than that in the universe. So that's your first action every day, as much as you're able to, go to mass. Receive the Eucharist. Do you know before 1910, or any of you before 1910? Before 1910, you had to be 12 to 14 years old to receive your first communion. But because of a little girl and a Pope Pius X, you're able now, in 1910, he lowered the age from 12 to 14 to receive your first communion. He lowered the age down to what? I'm asking some hard questions, aren't I? You can now receive at seven years old, right? Receive your first communion. And this little girl, her name is Little Nellie. Look it up if you get a chance. Little Nellie of Holy God. She knew what the Eucharist was when she was two years old. Had a great affinity for Jesus and Mary. And this little girl, two years old now, she, she wants the Eucharist so bad that she tells the the nuns and, and nurses go down to Mass in the chapel, in the hospital where she's a bed patient, and receive the Eucharist. Holy God is what she called it. Receive Holy God. And then come back and kiss me on the lips and then go back and finish Mass. Now can you imagine a little three or four year, year old even having that in their mind of what to do? So they're seeing everything that's happened. The priests take take these, this information and uh, the nuns, and the Pope's first words to him, they said, were just what I've been waiting for. And that's when he lowered, the, just in a little bit of time, whatever it takes the time to work it through the system in the Vatican. And, and by 1910, they had lowered the age. But here's, here's a, what the bishop said, test her. Because this little girl, they knew she was gonna die. She died when she was four years old. They knew she was getting close to death. So he said, test her. So the priest asked, said, well, what is the Eucharist? Her first answer to him was, that's what keeps the nuns and priests holy. And then he said, okay, but what happens? She said, the the priest puts Jesus on your tongue and then he goes down into your heart. Now to me, that's from an innocent four-year-old that's as powerful as any of the doctors of the church in the simplicity of a, of a child and innocence of a child. They put Jesus on your tongue and then he, you, he goes down into your heart. That's a pretty simplified way of saying that's the reality of what happens. And they say so many people have a, have a problem with understanding the Eucharist. So we talk about to the children about about making that a part of, and how, how to make that a part of what you are every day with the Eucharist and with Mary.
when I think about our sorrowful mother, I had to look up the word anguish. Have you ever looked up the word anguish? Anguish? You might have a general knowledge of it, but this is what it, what it says. Severe mental or physical pain or suffering. If you haven't heard that before, that's severe mental or physical pain and suffering. Agony, grief, torment. That's exactly what your God was experiencing out of love for you. And his mother was given you, each of you, to be your mama. And out of love for you and for her son, knowing how much it meant for him to have you sitting in here and learning more so that it's not a rah-rah. Each of these things that you take tonight and to be a part of your life can take you closer to your walk to eternity. How many of you are going to be here tomorrow? Anybody raise your hand if you know you're going to be here tomorrow? No, I'm not talking about wannabe. I'm talking about how many of you are going to be here for sure. We don't know, do we? That's exactly the world we lived in. And the doctors and saints of the church knew this reality, not in a morbid way, but every day, this could be my last day. So I must do everything I can for the good Lord every day. And that's, that's the type of active person that I'm asking you to try to be for your priest. Talk to him, Father, what do you need? How can I help you? What can I do more for you? And he may, he may even just tell you that, well, start out and get, get on your knees and pray every day because we, we all need that. Unless there's anybody, if you want to raise your hand, does anybody not need prayer in here? for themselves or somebody they love. We all need it, don't we? We all in our natural humanity are weak. Satan is smarter than we are. And he does so many things daily to try to trap you. Some of us very subtle. You know, if he, sometimes if he came, let's say this is five major things and Satan came at you right now with all five of those back before we started just letting him have free reign in the families and individuals. If, they saw, if, he, if people saw five of those bad things at one time, they would have fought it. There would have been a revolution. You're not bringing this into our families and to, to our homes. But what he does so subtly, he might just bring one of them. And then get you softened up and bring two, three, four, five. And I'm just using that as an example. You know, Satan is so much smarter than we are. And we cannot fight him in our flesh. In our flesh, there's nobody in here that can fight Satan. In fact, he loves it if you think you can. Without the Holy Spirit that was given by our Lord to keep us in the truth, everyone will fail. And you don't want to be part of that statistic that Jesus talks about in Scripture. Most people take the wide road to perdition. He gives them a free will because he doesn't want to be little robots. He wants them to come to him out of love. That's why you're here tonight. I believe because, because you love the good Lord, because you wanna be with him as he walked in his passion out of love for you to take that torture and beating, being spit upon, mocked, and crowned, nailed with a cross and crowned with thorns and everything he did. You know, I don't know that any of us could handle it. I know it would be tough for me. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm a cooked goose. And I know that. 
So that's why I pray that every day, Lord, I need you to help me die to myself so it's not ever about me. I live for souls every day because of, because of God that I know and his mother, my mother, your mother. That's why I get up and that's why I breathe every day is for souls. And you know, one of the things I told people, there's lots of different ways. When I, when I travel, I say, if I see somebody that doesn't go to communion, I gotta know what's, what's the reason, you know? So I'll just go up and after, after mass and I say, are you Catholic? You know, and either way I'll ask them, because I know that they didn't go to communion and I'm not there to judge them, but I'm there to help them. If I say, can I give you a, a video and a, and a book for your family and I've only had one time in all these years one time when one person was just absolutely didn't want anything he didn't care but most people when you say can you help me and you ask them for that they they will they will respond how many of you how many of you have at least one friend can you raise your hand okay what a deal Father, there's some more people. All right. <laughs> have you asked them, if they have, aren't in the church, have you asked them? Think about it. Have you asked them? Because there's no church that in existence that has what the Catholic Church has. We have the seven sacraments that were initiated by Christ himself. Our mother, Mary, our mother, she was like a victim soul. Do you know, you know what a victim soul is? I would say they're called by God and they give their life over for souls. This little Jacinta that you'll read about uh, in this, Mary showed those three little children, the youngest was seven, it was Jacinta. She so showed them hell on July 13th, 1917. She showed them hell. Every since that day, that little girl started mortifying herself. She started to say the rosary after rosary all day long. She wouldn't eat, she wouldn't drink unless they forced her. And she would wear one of those old time ropes that are, that are rough and everything. She'd wear it underneath her clothing. Anything to mortify herself for the, what she saw happening to people that were going to hell. And she wanted to save souls so they wouldn't go to hell. That that we could pray that, Lord, can, can I be a victim soul to bring souls to you, to help? Because there's so many people, guys. In fact, you know people. You know people, I can't, can't even tell you who they are, but you know people that probably aren't gonna make it without someone standing in their quarter and sacrificing and praying for them like, like uh, Jacinta was asked to do. So if you love your spouse, if you love your siblings, if you love your parents, if you love your children, any, any combination, uh, if you love the people that the good Lord puts into your path, because when you really belong to the good Lord and you have what you have here in this parish, you know, there's, there's, I don't see too many of them doing, doing what Father was doing tonight, you know, and it's not that some of them don't, because some of them do but there's, there's ones that you're given that gift in very, very many special ways in this, in this parish. 
Father, what can I do to help you? How can I bring a, a soul to you, Father, that you can bring into the church? And then go try to help him in every way you can. Because what you do for Father and this parish will have implications around the world. God, when I started praying for that, now, now we have two nights a week on Sunday night and Monday night from 8 to 9 o'clock at night. On, on Monday nights, I do the Eucharistic miracles. And what, what the church says about the ones that are approved Eucharistic miracles, some of them, if you haven't seen them before, would knock your socks off. You gotta be kidding me. Read the one about, start out reading the one about Lanciano was 1,200 years old when, they, when the scientists did the testing on that. And how the reaction of those that were uh, pagan or anti-Catholic, anti-Christian in, in the World Health Organization and stuff, and how they reacted when it went in the scientific journals around the world at, in 1972, I'd say, somewhere in there. And it went in, around the world. And they said, let us look at it. Because they just had these major scientists that have said this is what's happening and it's live tissue. Please let me know uh, how much time I've got because I'll, I'll close her up whenever I need to, Father. Okay. Uh, all right. Now, I, I can bring these different things to Father for you if you want any of these things. I'm going to go through some things real quick. One, this is one of the things I... Uh, pray about fasting from fasting from hurting words to words of blessing because people we can bless people every day and that are put into our path fasting from anger to mercy it's contagious when we when we show, take away our anger and show mercy because our natural flesh wants to control and revenge or, you know, down someone else if they've humiliated us in any way. But the good Lord will bless us when we accept those things and try to turn it around. Fasting from worrying to trusting in God. Fasting from complaints to a thankful attitude. Fasting from wasting time. Has anybody in there ever wasted any time? <laughs> to time for prayer. You set time for prayer. Fasting from grudges to, to forgiveness. Fasting from selfishness to generosity. We all may have a little bit of that, a little bit of pride. And, and to submission, fasting from pessimism to hope. Fasting from sadness to joy. All those things you can do don't ever let anybody talk to you otherwise. Make that a part of your life every day. My children and grandchildren, they, they know when they ask, when I ask, how are you doing? They'll say, fine. They say, how are you, Dad? And I say, better than wonderful. We can choose that in our lives because God said we can seek, ask, and knock. And he says he can give us a, a joy and hope and love that's beyond human understanding. People say, how did you get through that? You had such a hard role. But if we trust in the good Lord, 
There's nothing anybody can take at us that we can't get through with the strength of the Holy Spirit out of love. Our mama. How many of you know the seven sorrows of our mother? Guys, if you don't know those, because it, it, it has some promises with it, but the seven sorrows, the sorrow that she got from uh, when she was with Simeon. She went to Simeon's, was given to Simeon as, by their parents when she was like three or four years old. And when she came back in with Jesus, Simeon said, he's the one. Simeon and Anna both said that, that's, that's, the, that's the Messiah. But he also told him that he will be looked at as a contradiction. He will be the reason for the rise and fall of men in Israel. Your soul would be pierced with a sword that many hearts would be revealed. That's what he tells her. Now that was her first anguish, mental anguish, that she had to go through knowing how she trusted these two people, Anna and, and Simeon, telling her this. She took it seriously. The second one was the flight to Egypt. How many of you heard the flight to Egypt? But do you know the elements of that? Uh, can anybody t remind me who the uh, king was at that time? King Herod. King Herod came to murder Jesus. That's why he's looking for him. He's going to murder him. Now this, and Mary knows this. Would that cause you anguish as a mama? He's coming to murder your son. And so everybody, every firstborn boys, two and under, he had them slaughter them, not take a chance, trying to make sure that they took care of Jesus. And then the Holy Family had to escape to, uh, 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 over to Egypt. The third was the loss of Je the child Jesus when they went to uh, Jerusalem. Both, both parents thought that they had him. And I don't know if I have had it happen before. Have any of you ever had a child that you couldn't find for a moment in time? It can be, it can be just 20 minutes and make you, you very anxious about things. They went three days looking for Jesus. Then the condemnation of Jesus. You talked about it tonight, first station, right? When they condemned Jesus to death. Why? For speaking the truth. This tore his mother up. Your sorrowful mother. Then to have to see him beaten, spit upon, mocked, and crowned with thorns, nailed to the cross. See all these things in, in live action right in front of her. Think about how you would feel with one of your most loved processions, the blessing that the child you were given. After Jesus died, then they brought Jesus dead down into Mary's arms. Again, your, your mama loved him so much. There's no one that loves Jesus more than Mary and no one loves Mary more than Jesus. Guys, and if we want a relationship, you have to know and be close to both of them.
than the burial of Jesus. It was like a finality, and she can know that as she ponders things. Jesus said he would be back. So she can know it, but it doesn't mean that that moment in time when he and Mary met on the way to the cross, that they didn't both just stand there and cry with each other. We have the uh, feast on September 15th, uh, the memorial of the sorrows of Mary. Just remember this, the day before is the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. And that's, that's really no coincidence. You know, the sorrows of Mary are tied to the suffering and death of her son upon the cross at Calvary. The Virgin Mary, our mother. Are you aware of the, of the, uh, the prayer of, uh, of uh, never, never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, toward thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided? Never was it known. That sounds like it pretty well covers it, doesn't it? That's our mama. Never was it known that anyone appealed to her was going to be left unaided. <clears throat> she always tied everything out of her love for what she saw him endure. She loved him so much that she wanted to basically die to herself so for each one of you, for her son, your mother wanted to, to die for, for your soul so that you could get to heaven for eternity. Saint Basil said of Mary, as a sun surpasses all the stars in luster, so the sorrows of Mary surpass all the tortures of the martyrs. Standing at the cross, where did Mary look for her consolation? in those hours of excruciating pain. Where did she look? Where did Mary look? She looked up at, at, her, up at her son. She trusted him. And it was because of what she saw with the anguish of her son that gave the most intense suffering. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who we just mentioned, said Mary was a martyr, not by the sword of the executioner, but by the bitter sorrow of heart. And St. Albert the Great, one of the, if you haven't read him, that's another one to read. As we are under great obligation to Jesus for his passion endured for our love, so also are we under great obligation to Mary for the martyrdom which she voluntarily suffered for our salvation in the death of her son. Mary gave herself voluntarily out of love for you. So let's, let's pray together tonight. Please come up and I, I brought you extra rosaries so they become a third class relic. I just had our 11th march on the Capitol in Jefferson City and the, uh, the bishop was there, and they, the lieutenant governor, I don't know if you knew that he's Catholic, and 
So I got a couple, I got a couple of rosaries for the bishop and then I got a couple of rosaries for the lieutenant governor. And I told someone, watch my table because all I brought was the, was the, at the time, I did not have all the, didn't have Peter or this picture at that time. So I said, stay here and watch this and I'll go over and catch him as he's coming off from giving an award for one of the pro-life people. As he comes off, I, I said, Mike, these are third-class relics now because they were blessed and they already, they touched the cross Jesus died on and Mary's clothing. He turned to me and his words were, it makes me want to cry. I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had all of our leaders have that in their hearts? Makes me want to cry. And his wife was like a little kid in a candy store. She said, I say the rosary every day on the way to work and this rosary will get a lot of mileage. You know, so you can touch people every day in some way. Do it for Our Lady. Consecrate yourself for your family to Jesus through Mary. It'll, she'll take you places you cannot go in your own flesh. I ask good Lord to bless each of you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Lord, God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.